0: I want to begin by thanking you uh, for those of you who've been praying as I've been seeking God's will about where we should be at the beginning of this year in our sermons. And I mentioned to you in the email I sent you that I thought I knew where we were going and I had it pretty well planned out. And it sat for a little while and I thought, nah, that, that's not it. And I found something else and started working on that and I said, okay, this is, no, that's not it. And finally, and and I feel like it was the Lord, um, he said, what you need to be asking is, what will believers need in this coming year? What will they need as far as spiritual teaching and food in this coming year? Because it's been chaos and confusion for the last three years. And it's probably safe to assume... (laughs) with the continual political and societal degeneration of our society, and in an election approaching, it's gonna be worse <laughs> this year. So what do believers need to keep us steady in times of chaos? And, and two things immediately came to my mind. The first is, we need to know what we believe. We need to know what the Bible says we need to make sure that we're steady in our doctrine. And in my opinion, we're pretty good at that. In my opinion, I believe this congregation has a good handle on what the Bible teaches, how we're supposed to live our lives, faith in heaven, and you know that we, we have a pretty good handle on the basic doctrines of the Christian faith. And the second thing that came to me is that we are going to need to stay connected to God more consistently than ever. If we're going to survive spiritually in the coming year, we're going to have to stay connected to God. And the key to staying connected to God is prayer. And when I got there, it's like, that's it. And so I began working on this series. And it would seem that prayer is a pretty simple topic to preach on, (laughs) but it's not. It is a challenging topic, and I hope you will continue to pray for me and for you and for those who will be watching and listening in the days and weeks and months and years to come so that we will be able to gain insight into how it more effectively be people of prayer. What makes prayer so challenging to teach on is that it is a huge topic. And it is, in the biblical sense, a mystery. That is to say, it seems to be filled to our human minds with contradictions and paradoxes. And we humans have trouble with that. God does not. For instance, in my library, I have books and articles with titles such as The Ten Second Prayer Program. And the one-hour watch. I guess you take your pick. <laughs> 60 minutes or 10 seconds. I have books called Prayer, Wrestling with God. I have a book called Prayer, No Easy Road. And I have a book called Prayer, Conversing with God. I've got articles on how to spend a day in prayer. I have Brother Lawrence's book, The Practice of the Presence of God, where he talks about the fact that since he he was a a cook at a monastery, but he was under their rules and regulations, and so there were set times when he had to go to his room and go through the routines of prayer, and he says, they actually kind of helped me in my prayer journey, but then he reaches the point where he says, I've abandoned all particular forms of devotion and all prayer techniques. I carry on a silent conversation with God that fills me with overwhelming joy. And then you've got articles on here's how you pray. And you've probably heard this one. A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So what is prayer? Is it a wrestling match? Or is it a conversation? Is it a 10-second shout-out? Or is it a one-hour watch? I listened to a sermon from a preacher who said this. I have a private phone line in my office that my family and a very few friends have. My favorite voices to hear when that line rings are the voices of my children. Hi, Daddy. And then he said, that's what prayer is. Picking up the phone and talking to your Heavenly Father. Not 20 minutes later in the same sermon he said this, if you're going to pray you need a plan of what you're going to say. You wouldn't go into an appointment with the president without planning your discussion so we shouldn't pray without a plan for where we're going. Well what is it? Picking up the phone and saying hi daddy or putting out an agenda like you're going to go meet the president. I said well I've just got to find out what the Bible teaches about prayer because certainly there will be consistency in what the Bible says. No. Remember mystery, paradoxes, seeming contradictions. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing, the King James says. You know that verse? It's an easy one to memorize. Three words, pray without ceasing. That sounds like pray all day long. While you're getting dressed in the morning, when you're driving down the road, when you're getting ready for a meeting, just all day long, carrying on a conversation with God. But then there's also Matthew 6, 6. When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father. Well, how can we do both of those? If the only time I can pray is if I've gone into my room and closed the door, then I'm not going to be praying while I'm going down Washington Road or Bobby Jones or I-20. If I only pray when I'm in my room with the door closed, I can't very well pray continually. Then you've got Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Those verbs, ask, seek, knock, are in the present tense which in the Greek language of the first century meant keep on doing it. You could literally translate it, ask, keep on asking, seek, and keep on seeking, knock, and keep on knocking. But then in Matthew 6, Jesus said, the pagans think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows what you need before you ask him. Wait a minute. I've got to ask and keep on asking, but I'm not allowed to use a lot of words? <laughs> you know. And it's like, huh. And you read what the Bible says about prayer, and you're going to find a lot of those verses that seem to contradict each other. Now, I might be getting close to 70, but I still thought, you know, I'm just going to figure out how to harmonize all these together and make them make sense. No. <laughs> no. there, there There's... You just remember what I said to you a few weeks ago, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. See, we need to understand that things that seem to be contradictory to us are not bothersome to God. The things that are contradictions or paradoxes to us exist in perfect harmony to God. We think it's a multiple choice question, you know, A, B, or C. But with God, it seems like the answer is almost always D, all of the above. Didn't you hate it when the teacher threw that one in? You know, all of the above. Well, what do I do, God? And he says, yes. Somebody wrote this. We must submit our minds to what is clearly contradictory and repeat to ourselves in mantra-like fashion There are no contradictions for God. There are no contradictions for God. There are no contradictions for God. And so I thought I needed to do an introductory lesson to this series. I think this is probably the only sermon series where I've ever taken an entire message just to kind of introduce the topic, because I think it's important that we get some of these thoughts out on the table so that I don't have to keep referring back to them, Uh, so that I can acknowledge to you straight up front, I know that this seems to contradict what I said last week, but if you'll come next week, I'll contradict both of them, you know, because that's the mystery of prayer. I heard Andy Stanley several years ago talk about a trip that he and his wife, and at the time their two small children, had made to St. Simons Island. A family friend had a house there that they'd let them use for a week, He said it was huge. They went exploring. They had a wonderful time. But he said about two and a half days later, they were coming back from one of their excursions, and they saw some windows in the house that they had not noticed before. And so they went into the house where they thought those windows were, and there was a door that they thought was a closet door. But when they opened it, it led to a whole other wing of the house. And he said they also found another door that led to another apartment at another level of the house. He said, we've been in that house for two and a half days. We thought we knew everything there was to know about that house. We discovered there was a whole lot more to it. I think that's a pretty good illustration of prayer. You know, you think, you know, oh, okay, I, I, I forget who he was, but one of the great, you know, heroes of the faith uh, of days gone by said that he had prayed for an hour a day for something like 50 years and he was just beginning to learn about prayer you know so it's it's just that mystery there you think you kind of have a handle and then you learn something else about it because one week will be in the kitchen And you cooks will appreciate that. And then one week we'll be in the living room and you social creatures will like that. And another week we'll be in the garage and those of you with workshops will like that. And it's like we're going through this prayer house, if you will. The messages really won't be contradictory. They will just be different aspects of the mystery of prayer. Another illustration about prayer is the ocean you know i love being at the beach well i love being on a balcony overlooking the beach with a diet coke and some sugar-free fudge you know and a book but but that balcony that we have you can that, that we we rent you can look out and you see the ocean for miles and it's all ocean but it's not all of the ocean you can see a little kids running down at the beach and they've got the little buckets and they fill that bucket full of water. And it's all ocean, but it's not all the ocean. And so each week over this series, we're going to be kind of getting a different bucket from the ocean. And it's going to be ocean, but it's not going to be all the ocean. It's going to be prayer, but it's not going to be all that we know about prayer. And anytime you talk about prayer, somebody said prayer it's one of those things that everybody talks about but nobody does you know it it, it can cause all kinds of different reactions to people uh some people grew up in an environment where prayer was pretty structured uh you know you were told to make a list and pray through your prayer list and that's kind of what your praying is others of you don't like lists you want to pray kind of just spontaneously with what's going on that day some people have grown up and prayer was a duty. Have you prayed today? Others of you realize that prayer is a way to stay connected to God. And then I'm sure that there are others, maybe you're watching, maybe you're in the room today, who've basically said, it really doesn't seem to matter whether I pray or not. It, it just seems like, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen. So I've just decided I'm going to let do God do what he's going to do. So I've just basically stopped praying. I might do God is great and now I lay me down to sleep, but but that's about it. But I want to challenge us this first Sunday of this new year with Luke 11, 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. that verse is often misquoted as Lord, teach us how to pray. But that's not what they ask. The how isn't there. And I submit to you that there is a huge difference between teach us to pray and teach us how to pray. Because this is one of the disciples who are asking this, Lord, teach us to pray. He didn't need to be taught how to pray. He knew how to pray. The Jews were taught early and often how to pray. They had memorized prayers or prayers that they read at certain times of the day. There were prayers for certain days of the week. There were prayers for certain days of the year. They knew how to do it. They knew the words, they knew the formulas, they knew which direction to face, you know. But as they watched Jesus pray, they understood that they really didn't know what it meant to pray. They knew how to pray. But they said, Lord, teach us to pray. I think the request was, Jesus Help us get beyond formulas and rituals and programs and teach us to pray. Teach us to communicate with the Father the way you do. Isn't that our cry of our hearts? If we're truly a believer and we're truly seeking to be all that God wants us to be, isn't there something within us that says, man, I wish I could pray. Lord, teach me to pray. I know how to. I know all the different prayer lists and all the different formulas and all the different rituals, and we'll talk about some of those next week. I know all those things, but I need to know to pray, to really communicate with God. And, And that's my prayer for this series is that that request will be answered in our lives lord teach us to pray that we will really learn to pray so let me give you a couple of takeaways a couple of so what's from from this introductory lesson why should we pray again you know first thessalonians 5 17 pray without ceasing pray continually I think Mark Battison in this quote pretty well sums it up. God wants us to live our lives in prayer mode. Prayer is the only way we're going to reach our God-given potential. Prayer is the way to zoom in and zoom out and get a fresh perspective on my life. Prayer heightens my spiritual awareness and fine-tunes my spiritual intuition. Prayer is the way I untangle my problems. Prayer is the way I see opportunities and believe God for miracles. If you take prayer out of the equation, all we can hope for is our human best. And I want more than that. <laughs> I do too. <sighs> see, you don't have to pray. You get to pray. <laughs> it is one of the blessings of being a child of God, that you get to pray, that he hears you when you pray. And I just encourage you, um, try to, whether you're not able to be here physically in the building, please access the different social media platforms we're on so that you can keep up with this series because I really believe that God wants to teach us to pray. And that's going to be a key to success in this coming year that we stay connected to god but this whole area of seeming paradoxes and contradictions is broader than the topic of prayer and this is not i I would fail sermon preparation class by doing this next section because it's something different but but i want to go somewhere different for a moment I want to encourage us to allow the seeming contradictions and paradoxes to exist without trying to figure them out. Again, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And most of us spend way too much time trying to figure out why if this is happening and then this is happening too and why isn't this and why doesn't that, and and let's just maybe make a resolution for the new year. We're just going to trust God. <laughs> and we're going to leave the paradoxes and the contradictions and what seems to us to be inconsistencies, we're going to leave them up to him. I have learned that he knows more than I do. <laughs> and I have learned he's wiser than I am. And it's safe to trust him. When I was in school, there was a man who was really revered in our branch of the church as being the great mind of that movement in the church. And he he was older and he had this very rich, deep voice and a very deliberate way of speaking. My dad said he could say, I tell you water is wet. And we write it down, man, that is so profound, you know, that kind of a voice that he could just say anything is like, oh, wow, you know, S.I. Emery said this. And it worked out and it was a privilege for us that he taught, we had what uh, back then was called intercessions, uh, like month long between Christmas and then the second semester, a month long intensive study. And he taught one of those. To us preacher boys. And we were excited because we were going to have a month of Dr. Emery and we were going to get all of our questions answered. You know, he was going to know how to answer all the contradictions, all the inconsistency we were going to get. And we'd raise our hand and, and we'd ask him some, you know, profound question. And he I think one hundred percent of the time answered by quoting Deuteronomy 29 29 the hidden things belong to God oh come on cop out the hidden things belong to God and we we, we were so frustrated we were going to get answers that's not an answer but what he was saying was Allow those things that seem to be contradictions to exist. There are no contradictions for God. He can handle the things that make our brains fry. The hidden things, the King James says, the secret things belong to God. So leave them with God. But you know what the rest of that verse says? The things that are revealed belong to us so here's a challenge for you in the new year concentrate on what's been revealed and leave the hidden things to God (laughs) I think it was Mark Twain he said it's not the things I don't understand about the Bible that bother me it's the things I do understand (laughs) you know if we would make sure that we're being obedient to the things that have been revealed We wouldn't be so worried about the hidden things. So maybe somebody needs that word today. You're going through some things in your life and you can't make sense of it and it doesn't seem that God's doing anything about it. I just want to remind you, his thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. He's not bothered by it. He has it under control. Let's let God be God and stop trying to figure everything out. That's hard for me. I can say it because it's hard for me. I try to figure things out. Sometimes you just can't. Sometimes you say, okay, God, you know I don't. That's why I can't wait to get to the part of prayer where we study, your will be done. (laughs) Because that's what we've got to come to in our lives. Your will be done. The bottom line for the life of faith at some point has to be, God, I trust you even when I can't understand you. And I will live for you, even if I never make sense out of this. I trust you. You love me. You know what's best. And so I trust you. And I will live for you, period. Let's let that be true in our prayer life. Let's let that be true in our life of faith. God, I trust you. I'm going to let the contradictions be in your field. I'm going to focus on what's been revealed. And if you tell me to pray continually, I'm going to pray continually. And if you tell me to go to my room and shut the door, there's going to be times when I go to my room and shut the door. It's not either or, it's both and. And so thank you for praying. Please continue to pray. I, I, I really believe and and not because I'm teaching it, but because of the material, I really believe that these next few weeks can really help us become people of prayer to where prayer is not a chore, it's not a duty, but it's a delight of staying connected with God. May that be so, Father. Thank you for the incredible privilege of prayer that, that we can talk to you, and you listen and then if we'll listen you'll talk back to us and so in these coming weeks Lord please open up your word to us give us practical insight so that prayer when we sing the pure delight of time that I spend with you it will be true that we won't look at prayer as something that's a drudgery we'll look at it as a, as a privilege as a blessing As a way of staying connected to you. Because you want us to be connected with you. And so may may these next few weeks truly, Lord, be life-changing in our relationship with you. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace. Now and evermore. Amen. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for tuning in. Happy New Year.